Hello, and welcome to Heart Points, a one-to-one RPG actual play podcast. I'm your co-host and husband, Zach. And I am your wife and player, Diana. Except you're not playing tonight. That's right. I am your wife and co-host, Diana. Yes, because tonight uh, we are going to do a uh, PAX East retrospective, because we both went to PAX East this year. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what is that? We both went. We did. Well, we were both there and we present. Did. We We were. And... And we existed partici- as human beings. And we participated in activities, both of us, the two of us. Why do you keep saying you're saying it like that as if we didn't? <laughs> I was definitely there. You were definitely there and you <laughs> did definitely participate. I did definitely participate. Yes, I did. I was definitely there. The more you say it, the more it sounds like you weren't. <laughs> did you send a doppelganger in your place? Listen, if you can find my doppelganger, I would be so happy. I have never found anyone that I look like, but apparently I look like everyone. We are recording again very late. <laughs> it is 8.30, which is Diana's bedtime, pretty much. And it's half an hour from my bedtime. Give me some credit. And I just put in a load of laundry downstairs, so we've been running around. Also, to be fair, I administered the SAT today. Like, yes, that's my true. brain is done. That's true. Do you know how boring it is to watch someone read for three hours? And every 20 minutes, I have to say, you have 40 minutes remaining in the test. You have 20 minutes remaining in the test. You have five minutes remaining until break. Okay, it's break. Put your pencils down. You have five minutes. Do you know how freaking mind-blowing that is i can't lose myself in any activity i'm doing because every random ass number i have to stop and be like you have x amount of time remaining in the test like i can't do anything it's awful and i have to do it again tomorrow i'm tired do you want some wine yes but you won't let me have any Uh, here hold on am i getting wine yeah (gasps) i get wine I know that audio is probably not great, but I'm so excited. I'll, I'll break the no alcohol during recording rule since uh, <sighs> since you had a rough day. I just had a mind-numbingly boring day. <laughs> like, I can't have my phone or my computer, so I couldn't answer any emails. I couldn't, like, do anything productive. So I read a cheesy romance novel, but I can't bring in a romance novel while I'm watching a 16-year-old take a test. So I had to put a book cover on my romance now. Do you do you remember making book covers? This Twitter verse. If you remember making your book covers out of old newspapers or old brown bags, mm-hmm. please hit me up because I forgot how. And so I made the dumbest cover. I just taped paper to this book. It was very upsetting for me because I used to make all my book covers out of paper. It was so much cheaper than those weird the flexi fabric yeah, ones? Yeah, the flexi fabric mm-hmm. ones. And they never actually fit, like, 50% of the books that I had. I yeah. guess, um, now, uh, did you have large books in school? Do you remember? Yeah. Like, very, I don't know. That's not what we're talking about today, though. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to our uh, EduCast. Yeah. Our cast for educators. And I guess. how uh, frustrating it can be. Last year, during the PSSAs, I read all of Joe Not Hill's during the PSSAs. During Art- the Keystones. Keystones. I read all of Joe Hill's uh, heart-shaped box. You know you're not supposed to read while you're administering the keystones or anywhere near the test? I wasn't administering. I was on hallway duty. Jelly. That's the best. Yep. That is the best. Yep. So, we're not not talking about uh, how mind-numbing it is to oversee tests. We are talking about going to PAX East. Which is not mind-numbing, unless... It's actually the opposite. It is shock-inducing. Yes. It is, yeah. It is, like... Well, it is... It's mind-numbing, but, like, on the other end of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Like, your brain cannot process any more information, so it shuts off. Mm-hmm. There's just so much it packs. There just There is just, like, so much it packs. Yeah. Especially at PAX East. So, I haven't been to PAX East for a few years now. Mm-hmm. It, I want to say the last time I was at PAX East was 2013. I think that's correct. I think your first time was 2011. We went in 2012, and, and then uh, you went one more year after that, and then mm-hmm. we haven't gone because life. Yeah, because life. it's difficult and expensive, and it's a trip for us. Yeah. Uh, and then this year, I wasn't even paying attention to when tickets badges went on sale. Off as oh well, one more year, I'm not going to PAX East. 
But then the badges went back on sale for to like resell badges that have been bought by scalpers. Right. And I managed to grab two. Yeah. And after much begging and pleading, I got you to agree to go with me. Well, what was his Christmas present of getting a desktop became PAX. Mm-hmm. Basically. Which we can talk about whether or not that was a good decision. Right. Uh, maybe a little bit later. But um, but yeah, we, we decided to go. We drove up. Uh, we, we got two days. We yeah. went for Friday and Saturday and drove up Thursday. Yeah. And... Because that was my birthday present, was hanging out in Boston for a little bit. Yeah. Doing well, some touristy... We found a great meatball place. We'll talk about this. I've... I've that... Listen, taking you to PAX wasn't... The only part of your birthday no, present. No, but going and to Boston and doing some touristy stuff, that was... I did agree to do some touristy stuff. Most we, of which we didn't end up doing because it was, it was very cold. cold and windy and yeah. snowed. Yes. But yeah, we, we drove up. It was a nice drive up. It was. And uh, the first night we were there, we went to for a walk down to the bay, and that was really nice. And that first night, we went out to eat, and we went to a place called Meatballs. In, no, it wasn't called Meatballs. It was the Meatball Factory. I'm pretty sure it was called just no, meatballs. No, it wasn't just meatballs. It was like the meatball factory or the official meatball something. It had, it was like the, I think it was, I, okay, I'm going to look it up, but I'm pretty okay. sure it was the um, official meatball factory. Um, But I don't eat beef or pork, mm-hmm. so I was a little worried about going to a place called, meat, called meatballs, but they had vegetarian meatballs and they were amazing. Well, you have to tell the story of how you heard that there were vegetarian meatballs as an option somewhere in the city. Oh yeah, like we were just walking through the city and we heard somebody talking about vegetarian meatballs and I was like, oh, that's kind of a weird thing. Uh, and then we had our shuttle take us to a Mexican place that had a three hour wait. So we started walking around South Boston until we found this uh, meatball place. And it's called Certified Meatball Company, I think. That might be a different place. Yeah, that is not the place we Okay, ate. well, hold on. I'm going to find it. <laughs> I'm going to find it. Anyway, it was fantastic. It was very good. And they had a sister com- They had a sister company. Called Southern Kin. Anyway, no one wants to. Uh, no, listen. It's minutes really, in and haven't actually talked about really PAX But it's really important. What's really important, though, because it helps set the PAX framework. These were like delicious meatballs, and they were the best food I ate that whole weekend because mm. con food is no good. Yes. Oh, in the con, they had. Uh, no one's going to care about the story, but I'm going to tell it to you anyway. In the con, there was a place that was selling uh, gyros and things called bombs. And they had steak bombs and steak gyros, which eats lamb, whatever, uh, and chicken bombs and chicken gyros. Uh, so I went up. And I ordered a chicken gyro because I didn't know what a chicken palm was. And I asked the woman behind the counter, I said, what is, uh, what, by the way, what is a chicken bomb? And she goes, well, it's a bomb with chicken. <laughs> As if the part that confused me about the food option wasn't the chi- was the chicken part and not right. the bomb part. I was very angry. I was very cranky. I feel like when you talk about going to PAX, you have to talk about how just angry you are. I feel like that's just is a part of... I think this is a part of it. We spent a pretty good portion of the con angry <laughs> in our very... We spent 50% of our time. In our very, like, Philadelphia way. <laughs> our very, like, Northeast yeah. Philly way. Well, um, we were in Boston. Cranky. You don't go more... Like, you really can't get much more Northeast than Boston. That's very true. Like, so you can't say that it's our Northeast way. I think it's just our Philly way. Like, mm-hmm. like people are aggravating. Like, you're aggravating me. You're aggravating me. And I have so many stories of people aggravating me. All right. We have to focus. I've confirmed that it was the certified meatball company. The important part of this podcast has been confirmed. Our first day of the con was Friday. And what did we do on Friday? We were mostly just completely overwhelmed on Friday. Yes. So a really really big chunk of our time was spent exploring the floor. And if you've ever been to PAX East... You know how massive this floor is, but if you've never been to PAX East, imagine, like, a mall with quadruple the amount of... You know what? It's Black Friday. It's the mall on Black Friday. That's what it is. It's just a crush of people, and people are standing in lines that you don't know where they're going because the lines are so long, you have no idea where the front of the line is. And there's, like, people in costumes. It's... It's Black Friday, is what it is. It, it was it was pretty intense. It was crazy intense, and like, Pax East isn't really the kind of place. It's not, it's not a huge like, 
it, what's the cosplay? It's not a huge cosplay convention. I mean, people do cosplay, but it's not a huge cosplay convention. So you'll be walking around normal, and then you'll see Waluigi, and then you'll be walking around, and then you'll see various characters from various video games and animes. I saw a Pam from Archer. Diana's favorite thing was to point out uh, cosplayers and... Uh, Are they Apostles' Creed? I just kept just saying like, that. Yeah, yeah, well, that became the go-to one. It started off just saying the wrong thing, what? and then it turned to every single person was, is that Apostles' Creed? Okay, but... I don't know if this makes it better, and I'm sure a lot of people are going to get really mad at me. I legitimately keep forgetting that it's called Assassin's Creed and keep calling it Apostles' Creed legitimately, and I don't know why. And also, I don't play video games. So unless you are Ash Ketchum, I am not going to recognize you ever. Uh, wait. And even then, I didn't yeah, really I recognize Yeah, I was going to say, do you think you would recognize an Ash Ketchum? I think I might. I think I might. Okay. I recognize the Waluigi guy, but I didn't know his name until you said it. And then I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. That is Waluigi. Like, I can recognize those. But if you are dressed as, like, we met a guy who was dressed as a wa- a, wa- a witcher. Yes. I had no idea what he was talking about, but his costume looked really cool. He, had, he like, went all out. It was pretty cool. And then his friend, who we talked a lot with. Leon Kennedy. That's what he was dressed as. Mm-hmm. That was not the name of the that person. That was not his name, yes. but he was dressed as Leon Kennedy. And I didn't know what that was, so I told him I thought he looked like a cool sniper, and I felt really bad about that, because he clearly spent some time on his outfit, and I didn't know what it was. So maybe I'm not the person to talk about that stuff with, but it was really it was really cool to see that. There's just so many people. Yeah. There's just so, so many people. So we spent, uh, we spent most of Friday... Uh, walking around the uh, exhibit hall. I did I, go to a panel. What panel did you go to on Friday? I went to a panel, and they talked about some stuff. Did you go to Gaming Without Gates, Fostering Children's Social Skills? We didn't go to that one. Remember, we skipped that one completely because we because of how early it was. Oh, yeah. Um, no, there was one that I was going to go to, or that I did go to, that is now escaping me, and it was a, um, it was a doctorate. It was somebody who was working on her doctorate and her friend. Oh, it was the video game one. I'm remembering now. Um, it was about queerness in video games and representation. Oh, and uh, used, using data. Yes, using that's right, that's right. That's why you didn't go because it was super boring for you. Um, using data to qualify. The using data bit is the, the boring. Yeah, bit, the data bit the, did not interest yeah, me. Yeah, but it was using data to. It was like to qualify slash quantify queerness in video games and how to increase representation in video games. And it was really interesting. Now, if I had known that part, I would have been more interested. Right, that wasn't very clear in the description. Yeah, the only thing I saw in the description was like using data to make games more con- in- inclusive. And while I'm very interested in making games more inclusive, I'm not super interested in spreadsheets and pie charts. I really do enjoy those as long as I don't have to make them. Like, I hated statistics because I do not like doing that stuff. But I really enjoy reading research papers because it's interesting to see kind of like the significance of the information that you found. Mm -hmm. Um, And so she was up there and she was talking about it. and And the way that, I guess, the field of game inclusiveness uses queerness it really just means outside of the like established norm it doesn't necessarily mean queer on the spectrum of lgbtq like it could be like minority status disability like it could like it's it's other outside of the established norm air Mm -hmm. quotes but her research was mainly on like the lgbtq community she herself is gay which is why i'm thinking this um it was interesting she really just started her research. There really wasn't much going forward with it. Um, she used that game where you can have sex with aliens. Mass Effect. She used that game um, to conduct her research, which I thought was really interesting. She played the game first as a female, and then she played the game again as a male and did the same interactions. Um, and it was interesting. And the thing that I found interesting and the thing that I talked about a lot afterwards was... So there's a character that you... Um, you're like in the mess hall talking to and your character, either male or female, kind of leans back and says, well, I just want to talk to you. I just want to get to know you. That's what it is. I just want to get to know. No, I just want to talk. That's what it is. But it, it's with, it's, I just want to talk. But when it's, when you're a dude talking to this male character, it comes off like, I just want to be friends with you. Like, I just want to talk. Like, I just want to get to know you better. 
But when you're the female talking to this dude, it comes off as like, well, I just want to talk. Like, it's very flirtatious. So it's the same words, but it's a different, it's a totally different meaning. And what, and what is the impact of that? And I thought that was completely, like, that was so interesting. If the whole panel had been on that sort of stuff, I think that would have been really interesting. But she just started her research, so good luck to her, and hopefully her research goes far. And Because her end goal, I know I'm, I'm rambling on about this, but I think it's really interesting. But um, That's okay. her, her end goal is that um, she, what she would like to do is she'd like to, to create some sort of codex or something that she can give to game developers and be like, you want to make it, you want to make your game more inclusive? Here. Here's how you make it more inclusive. Here are how you answer those questions that you have about inclusivity. Here you go. Like, I just think that's so awesome. And that's what, I mean, that's really what research is supposed to do. It's supposed to inform future decisions so that you can then be better and build better. She really did just start her research. So there's, you know, I'm excited to see that grow, I think. But that was what I did. I went off and I did that by myself. And you were supposed to play a video game while yeah. I did that. Uh, the name of that panel, by the way, was Equality Done Better Using Data for an Inclusive Future. See, doesn't that sound boring? But I thought that was so interesting. Um, no, I mean, it's just the data part that, like, I was like, I think I'm going to pass. And I'm sure a lot of people were like, data. Uh, but it was done by Caitlin Dungan and Megan Hacker. Yes. Um, and, I mean, your description of it sounds really interesting and kind of makes me wish I had done that instead because what I did instead was wander around the expo hall. I did get to play a few games in that time. I played uh, Dead Cells, which is a game that I know has been available in some form because I've seen people playing it. My brother plays it. It's like a 2D, uh, like, Dead Souls-like. Um, it's... V- it's very cool. I was very bad at it. Okay. Uh, I played uh, another 2D game that you can play with eight players uh, using USB Nintendo controllers, like old school Nintendo what? controllers. I want to say it was called Pirate's Plunder. It was by a, also want to say, UMass gaming program. Okay. They had put together this game. It's for eight players, two teams of four, local multiplayer um, you're trying to like steal all the gold from the other team's pirate ship. Ah. Uh, it was really interesting. It was very chaotic because there's like four different ways to win a round. Uh, you can uh, sink the enemy ship with cannonballs. You can sink the enemy ship with dynamite. You can kill the opponent's captain three times, or you can get all the gold. Um, so you're running around this very small screen trying to complete one of these many objectives before the other team completes one of these many objectives. It was very chaotic, uh, but it was pretty fun. Uh, and I bought a bunch of pins because I have an addiction. Yep. Um, and that's what I did while you were in that admittedly very interesting sounding panel. And we didn't really do too much, uh... We did a lot of walking around. We tried to play some games. Oh, yeah, that's right. We d- played two board games that were fun. Yes. We, well, we played two board games, one of which was very fun. Right. Uh, one game was an attempt at... Uh, I don't even remember what it was called now. It was an attempt... not very good. Yeah, it was an attempt to recreate old-school uh, roguelike RPGs like um, Labyrinth or Dragon's Egg uh, or even like old-school Gauntlet uh, using board games. Like using like on a tabletop, it was very bad. It just took forever, and like didn't seem very intuitive. It was bad. Uh, yeah. Uh, we tried to play vast, but I got over intimidated by the rules and gave up. Right. Well, and we also, if you've ever, again, if you've ever been to PAX, but if you've ever gone shopping on Black Friday, and or if you've ever eaten at Reading Terminal Market and tried to find a table, and you're two people and you're trying to take up the space of like four or six like how poorly that would go that's what we were trying to do when we tried to play vast we did not have the space to be able to play it yeah it took up a lot of room. yeah in the in this in the place where we were so it's definitely on our list to get we just we didn't get a chance to play it i really want to get vast and i really want to get there uh that's from i want to say letter games l-e-d-e-r games uh, and their new game, Root, recently got kickstarted, and I really want Root, and I should have kickstarted it. I'm kicking myself for not doing so. Looks amazing. Haven't gotten to play any of their games. The game we did end up playing and really enjoying, though, was a game called Fae. Yeah, F-A-E. Mm-hmm. And that is a reskin of a game called Clans by uh, Z-Man Games. And I did some searching, and it looks like the game actually isn't out yet. Oh, uh, I didn't so, realize we were... Yeah, I'm not sure why there was a copy in the t- uh, the tabletop library, but uh, I really enjoyed it. So yeah. if you've played Clans, 
uh, the goal of the game is there's all these like little different colored figures and on your turn you can move all the figures in one section to another section and once all the figures in one section are island are, are like an island there's yeah. no one in any sections around them uh, you score points based on their colors and I really like this game because you start off the game uh, drawing a card and you become one of like five different colored mm-hmm. fey lords but the other player doesn't know what color you are. Right. Right? So basically you're scoring points for based on the colors of these little druids that are on the board. But since you're never going to be able to just score points for yourself, you're always going to end up scoring points for other colors along the way. So obviously you're trying to maximize your points and minimize other people's points. But you, nobody knows who the other people are. And if you figure out what color the other person is, <clears throat> as I did to Zach, you was, can then screw them over. Yeah, Diana, I was making a perfect setup like, was, to score a massive payout. Yep. And Diana just like with one move ruined everything. And I was furious, but it was so much fun. Yeah. Um, and it was quick and you can play it two to five people. Yep. Like it was, it was nice. It was a good game. I really liked it. Yeah. I... Uh, once? We didn't play a lot of board games, yeah. um, but of the board games we played, that was by far my favorite. I, I really enjoyed it, and I'm keeping an eye out for that. I want it. Yeah. And then that pretty much did it until the video game orchestra performed <gasps> uh, the soundtrack to Final Fantasy XV. Yeah. And we got in line for that like two hours early, and we were by far not the first people in line. No, we were we were decent. There were back. at least 100 people in, ahead of us. Yeah, at least. But that was wonderful. Uh Oh, it was fantastic. It was it was beautiful. I'd never gone to a video game orchestra before. I mean, I've heard, like, orchestral compositions of video game music, um, but I loved it. And, like, apparently I scared this little girl, but there was a little girl who sat next to us who was just so excited, yes. and we were chatting a little bit before the show, and... And every time, like, there was, like, this really moving piece of music, she would, like, stand up and scream. It was just, I, there's a reason I went into education, and I get really excited when I see kids being really excited about something. And music is really important to me, because it was a huge part of my life for a really long time. And she was just so excited about this nerd shit, and she was, like, loving the music. I loved it. I almost could have watched her and everything else be muted and still would have really enjoyed it. Aww. It was awesome. But the music was fantastic. Uh, yeah. And the re- performance was great. Final Fantasy XV holds a weird place in my soul uh, because it's one of the worst games I've ever played, but I love it with all of my heart. And I cried like a baby when I beat it. Um, it, it was one of the first games I watched you play from beginning to end. Yeah. Um, it's really bad. The story is terrible, but it's also just like so, like at its core when you like strip away all like the really dumb stuff at the core, it's a story about like four friends who love each other very Mm -hmm. much and would do anything for each other and go through terrible things together. And at the end of the game, I was just bawling and I love final fantasy in general. Final fantasy was such a big part of my childhood. So when the orchestra started up and started off playing the final fantasy, like theme, I was just crying for like the (laughs) first three tracks. Um, it was so good. I loved it. It made me very happy. It was it was incredible. And they had this amazing guitarist who was just really impressive. Like, could give John Mayer a run for his money. What? I'm sorry. What? I'm sorry. Have you not heard John Mayer, like, riff? He's fantastic at the guitar. Of, of all, of all the, like... Zachary, John Mayer is, like, imp- known as an amazing guitarist. No, he's not. Yeah, so- yes, yes. Oh my god, yes he is. Santana is known as a great guitarist. He's very good. He's like, Zachary, John Mayer's very, very good. I don't... Distinguished guests, please look up John Mayer. Like, dude is very fucking good at the guitar. Zachary, I've dated several guitarists. John Mayer's very good at the guitar. All right. Okay. I'm just saying. Getting a little aggressive. I'm just saying. You're trying to call out my knowledge here. He's very good. But this guitarist, back on point, he was also very good. It was very impressive. It was very impressive. Uh, so that pretty much wrapped up Friday. Saturday, right? Am I forgetting anything? Um, 
just if you get the chance to see the video game orchestra, please, please do it. Um, I know they're not, they don't always do the same video game music, but it was incredible. Oh, and the, um, I guess the lead guitarist slash composer person actually wrote some of the music for Final Fantasy XV. Oh yeah, that was the thing that surprised me the most was that uh, the VGO actually composed the soundtrack in the first place for Square Enix. Some of it, not all of it. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it was very cool. It was yeah, amazing. It was really, really cool. It really was. Saturday, we started off our day going to Beyond the D20. No, you forgot the best part, Zachary. What? Going home after the video game orchestra. What, all the high kids on the shuttle? Yes. <laughs> they were hilarious. They were not hilarious. They, they were, were so funny. They were very annoying. But they were so funny. We actually met some like pretty, pretty cool people. I mean, the first day we were there on our way to the meatball place, we met um, this guy from Texas who was from kind of where you lived, wasn't he? And then there were no. these British... Okay, but he anyway. from nowhere where I well, live. He, well, anyway. And then there were these two British ladies, and they were all really nice, and they had nothing to do with PAX, but yeah. they were all really nice. Zachary, it's about the Boston experience. PAX is also about Boston. And also the crazy fight we saw, that has nothing to do with PAX either. Yeah, we did see a dude beat up his girlfriend. Okay, we don't know that that's what happened. They were maybe homeless. They were not homeless. They, but they may have been homeless. They were not. How do you know they weren't homeless? He talked about a refrigerator. Yeah, That's how you know. Yeah, because he talked yeah. about his house. Yeah. Okay. All right. But that was crazy. Yeah, that, that was, was awesome. a big bummer. But the next night was a bunch of high kids coming back from PAX, and they were just watching streamers on their phone on the way back to the hotel. I thought it was hilarious. I thought it was very obnoxious. Well, the next day, the story flipped. Oof. <laughs> Because we got on the shuttle to go to PAX on Saturday, mm -hmm. and there were some girls who were very excited about going to PAX on the shuttle, and they would not stop talking. And all of my patience had been used on Friday. I was doing well in the crowds. I wasn't too annoying or loud about how disrespectful everybody was. And then Saturday came. And you almost started some fights. I did not almost start some fights, but distinguished guests if there is a line forming and there happens to be a gap in the line do you just walk into the gap no you go to the back of the line so when those people walked in line i definitely may have loudly been like that's not that's not normal you're supposed Said to some loud passive aggressive shit yes but that was first thing in the morning and Yes, you, you're, you had been... I had no patience. Yes. The beginning of that morning. But the line that we were waiting for... Was for... It was Luke Crane. Reality 20. Yes. It was Luke Crane and Adam Coble. Luke yep. Crane is uh, the di designer of Burning Wheel and Torchbear and the Mouse Guard RPG. And Adam Coble is the designer of Dungeon World, which we obviously love here. Um, and they did a panel on... Um, Indie RPGs and just games beyond... Dungeons and Dragons, which was funny because the first game they included was Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, um, but uh, old Redbox edition, which yeah. I actually own, uh, and it was actually interesting. I didn't expect to learn anything since my since like I only really play indie RPGs, and that's kind of what I know about. And I've gone to every indie RPG panel I've ever seen at any PAX. But they talked about some really cool things, and uh, they talked about, like, Pendragon, and uh, what else did they talk about? They talked about that game that ended up being played at the um, the game sign-up place later, Travelers, or... It was an older RPG that they were both very excited about, and it was you play as a reality TV show... Um, Yes, Inspectors. Yeah, so I actually bought a copy of Inspectors. <laughs> I, knew um, it began, I knew it ended with an ER. That's another game that they talked about. Um, this is a... This is... Why can't I... I, can't, I it's so late and I can't think of the name Ghostbusters. Reality TV Ghostbusters. Yes, and I'm trying to think of the name of the author. It is... Uh, it's Memento Mori. Uh, Memento Mori Theatrics is the, is the name of his company, and his name is... Jared Sorensen? Is that Jared Sorensen? Does Memento Mori? That sounds right, but I don't know anything. I think so. I've been seeing this game at cons forever, and I never pick it up, uh, but they talked about it during that Beyond the Roll 20, uh, Beyond the D20, and I was finally like, that's it. I have to get it. Well, 
the reason that you felt like you had to get it was because it was, Lucrane said that this is one of the games that made him go, why is that person so much smarter than me? Yeah. Lucrane said it was Inspectors and Blades in the Dark right. that he wished he had written. Yeah. Uh, and when he said that, I was like, all right, I have to get this. It's a comedy game. It's reality TV Ghostbusters. Like, I have to, I have to finally buy this. Uh, so I did stop by the Burning Wheel booth, like, immediately afterwards and, and buy uh, Inspectors. And we got to talk with Luke a little bit, and we got to talk with Adam a little bit, and that was very cool. Uh, they're both just like, I don't know, as game designers. Oh, it's on the spine, Jared A. Sorensen. Uh, as designers, they're both just like some of, I don't know, some of the most inspirational designers that I know of, along with like Epidiah Ravikal and Emily Carabas. There's What am I saying? There's a lot. But... I mean, I think Lucrane holds kind of, and especially those two creators, I think they hold kind of like a special place for us because if it wasn't, it really honestly, if it wasn't for the game of Mouse Guard, I don't know that we would be here because we we tried to play role-playing games before we discovered Mouse Guard and they always fell apart. Yeah. But when we got the Mouse Guard game going and, and maybe it was that group of people, it started to run smoothly and it was like incredible. It really was like incredible. Like we all, we still all talk about the games that we played in college being mice. It was incredible. It really was. And we play a lot of Dungeon World, like a lot of it because it's a really easy game to pick up and it's a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, especially like Mouse Guard really, I don't know. I think the two most formative games for me were Mouse Guard and Apocalypse World. Yeah. Uh, and they remained two of my favorite games. Uh, I think I actually kind of, I don't know. There, I still prefer the mechanics of Mouse Guard, but like, I like Torchbearer a little bit better for yeah. its like setting and stuff. But um, yeah, those are two like immensely formative games for me. Uh, so after that panel, we went to the expo hall and we, I, I picked up some games that I had my eyes on. Uh, I grabbed Inspectors. Uh, I grabbed The Dig, which was a game that I was not familiar with. Uh, I had never seen before. I don't know the designers. But it's really cool. It sounds really cool. It is GMless and diceless. You play as dwarves uh, who go on adventures, and so each session is one like delve into the caves and into the mines to try to uncover some artifact or some priceless work of art. Which is a really really cool, I don't know, idea. I like it. I like that it's GMless. I like that it's diceless. Yeah, and you can play it with two players. So right. hoping to get to that sometime. Uh, that is Never. written by Derek A. Kamal. Golson Sound for Life. I, I'm, I'm really excited about this, and I, I want to do it at some point. Um, also got to stop by the... I can't... I can never remember the name of the booth. But it's the booth that uh, that Vincent Baker and Joshua A. Newman are always at. And I grabbed uh, The Bloody-Handed Name of Bronze by Joshua A.C. Newman. Uh, Joshua A.C. Newman is a big sci-fi game designer, but he put out uh, The Bloody-Handed Name of Bronze recently, which is a sword and sorcery, like, Bronze Age. Um, and that sounds really cool. He sold us on that because he said uh, it's also two players. He says that he uses it... The, the thing that he sold me on was, like, he said that he designed this game to play with coffee... Or play with Vincent A. Baker over coffee. Yeah. Um, and I was like, well shit then that's the game i need right vincent a baker was also selling uh physical copies of firebrands which is his mecha sci-fi reskin of well actually i guess it's the first version that would later get reskinned as the king is dead which is a game of thrones like mini game collection it's amazing it's one of my favorite games uh and it's on kickstarter right now so you should check that out yeah absolutely we love that game we love the king is dead so any peripheral any i don't know it's just fantastic yeah i haven't picked uh, i haven't played firebrands yet i have it digitally and i wish i'd picked up the physical copies but i didn't but he even said not to yes i was talking to vincent about it and i was like yeah you know i i, I like follow you on patreon and i like i don't that must be how i got firebrands i must have backed it on uh patreon but i also got and i picked up ghost court uh, which is a LARP party game by Jason Morningstar, which I think was the thing that I was most disappointed at not grabbing at PAX Unplugged. So I was happy to grab that. So we did our shopping thing. And this goes up to, I think, 26 players, I think, 
from 6 to 20 plus? Yeah, I think that's right. Um, we just have a lot more friends in the area who are interested in gaming, and so now we have a game where we can we can invite six people over and be able to game with them. Yeah, in Ghost Court, you play as ghosts and people who are suing them, and one person plays as the judge, and it sounds amazing. I'm, I'm very excited for this. Uh, and that was all the shopping we did. We went out and, like bought a few games not like a ton it's a pretty small haul compared to like other years that i've gone to pax events uh only four real games yeah but we were only there for two days and we tried to pack in a lot in those two days we tried to go to a lot of panels and we tried to we just i think we just tried to do too much i think that was kind of our downfall yeah um but one thing that we were really happy we did get to do is we got to play some role playing games while we were there well we got to play one and we actually got to play test a game uh through games on demand uh we got to play uh a game called princess world and this is a game that's in development by uh Kevin Petker uh who also created the powered by the apocalypse game the ward uh so what did you think of Princess World? I really liked it. So we were, like like he said, we were playtesting it. So, that, you know, there's some obvious kinks, things that, you know, need to be fine-tuned a little bit as it, as it moves forward. But one of the big selling points for this game and one of the things that he, he said was really important to him was that he had a game that his daughter could play and that she could, <clears throat> so that she could GM sometimes, or I, what was it called? It wasn't a GM, it was a weaver so that she could weave sometimes or that some of her other friends could weave sometimes. Um, And the way that I kind of thought about it is it's the perfect sleepover game. Like, it is the perfect game to play if you have a regular group of friends that you're going to have sleepovers with. So the way that it works is you are a princess and you are in charge of your own realm. And all of your realms kind of float around the whole princess realm. And... You get to be all sorts of different kinds of princesses. I was a skateboard princess. There was a popper princess. There was a... I was knight princess? Yeah, like N, like K-N-I, not... G-H-T. Yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. Not just the N. Uh, there was also there was a space princess. There was proper princess. Right. Uh, so it was very... It felt to me very inspired by, like, Adventure Time. Right. Uh, with all the different, like, thematic princesses. Uh, and it's powered by the apocalypse, and it had a really intense like character creation, world creation system. But it's very like Saturday morning cartoons, very lighthearted. We were playing with like an Avatar: The Last Airbender type tone, uh, but he said it was very like built for like between My Little Pony and like Barbie's Dream House, I think is the name of the show, and like Avatar: The Last Airbender, and aimed at you know, young girls. Yeah. I think he said his main demographic was, like, girls between the ages of 9 and 13. Yeah, I think that was his um, main demographic. Hence the sleepover. It's like the perfect sleepover game. Yeah. And one of the things that he that was really, really important to him was it's the kind of game where, you know, like, Susie, Chris, and Alex always sleep over each other's houses on Fridays. But one week, Susie can't make it, and Barbara's there. Barbara can join the game, no problem, and it's not weird that Susie's not there. Like, he's building that as a part of the game, and it, they can kind of shift who's in charge of the... Not necessarily who's in charge of the story, but who's the GM every time that they play. And I think that's fantastic. I think it encourages people to kind of step out of their comfort zone and and try it. Try GMing. Yeah, it, it was meant to be very modular, meant to be very uh, portable. And I liked it. Uh, there were there were a few things that I felt were a little bit um, like I mean it's still in the playtesting phase, uh, but like world creation was a lot of fun. Uh, the character archetypes were a lot of fun. It, it was just very cool all around, and I really liked the. I mean, I really liked the intent behind it. Right? I agree. I agree, and I think that you know, like again, it was being playtested. So once some of those small little kinks get get worked. I guess. I don't know another phrase to say that. I think once some of the problems get addressed and some of the small little things kind of get fixed, I think um, I think it'll be a really great game and I would love to play it. I really would. And I'm just saying, I was a skater princess. My name was Avril and I was a BMXer. I didn't actually ride a skateboard and I was pretty sweet. So Avril needs to make another appearance. Avril was pretty cool. Uh, my knight princess was named Titania. 
Of course she was. Um, she had a wyvern mount named Gorbash. Which of course she did. No one... So I even tweeted out Gorbash's name and asking if anybody could recognize where that name came from. And no one responded. No one at the table knew. No, I have no idea what you're talking about. You should know. You have watched this movie several times. What movie is it? Flight of Dragons. I have not watched this movie the several ma- times. Yes, you have. You've watched it at least twice with me. In Flight of Dragons, the main dragon's right. name is Gorbash. I don't think that's right. No, I think that is right, actually. It's a green dragon, right? Yep. Okay. It's kind of fat. Old. Yep. Okay. I yep. do remember this. I do remember this. I was very disappointed in everyone. I'm no sorry. one No one recognized my reference to Flight of Dragons. I'm so sorry. But yeah, we got to playtest that, and it, it was a lot of fun. It was very cool, and I'm looking forward to seeing more of that game. Yeah, it was. It was... It was just really cool to be a part of a playtest and, like, kind of get that energy. That mm-hmm. was really, really fun. Yeah. Then we attended a panel on video games and PTSD. Yes. Which I don't think we have much to say about that. It was well, it, it was really interesting. Well, to be clear, it was not a panel on video games and PTSD. It was a video game on... Uh, it was a panel on video games and trauma, some True. of which was... PTSD, but it was it was it, I it, I thought it was really that's the sort of stuff that I find very interesting because you hear and I hear it from my I hear it from my colleagues all the time. Well, video games are bad and they lead to no no they don't. The research has said so many times that they don't. And so being in a room full of people who are like no they don't and I incorporate them into my practice and I incorporate them into my therapy. I it was just really refreshing. Yeah, it was really interesting. They talked about how like. Um, trauma can trauma will physically change the brain yeah uh but that basically taking part in video games and like playing video games after experiencing a trauma can help to negate some of that physical damage that trauma does to the brain i mean we've been using video games to help um soldiers with ptsd for i don't know why i put the emphasis weird on that in that ptsd not ptsd We've been using video games for their therapy for a long time. Immersion th- video games have been a part of immersion therapy for a long time. And so kind of branching out and kind of using it in different ways, I, w- it was just fascinating to hear. Yeah. I love that stuff. I thought that was so cool. Uh, one of the things I thought was kind of interesting is they, they talked a lot about um, parasocial relationships, which uh, are like one-sided relationships mm-hmm. where you might have a relationship with like a fictional character. Or a celebrity. And also telepresence, like feeling like you're in a different place. Uh, but both of those phenomena are across all types of fiction. Movies, right. books, video games, RPG, like tabletop games. Yeah. So I was wondering, I don't know, if the only thing that makes video games special is the is the active participation you have in that. And if that changes anything. Hmm. I don't know. Well, I mean, it's not, you don't. So all of the therapists that were up there also used role-playing games, not just video games in their therapy. So maybe it's, it maybe it is that active participation in it that makes it a little bit different. I I would assume, but I wonder how much like other games are also valuable. Yeah. I I think it's really cool and I love that people are thinking outside the box. I mean, Freud was he was a crazy old cocaine addict, but he was revolutionary. And he thought outside the box, and he thought differently. And those are those, are, especially in mental health, those are kind of the things that we need to we need to do. I get so excited when I hear about it; it just makes me happy. It was uh, post traumatic growth through video games, and that was staffed by uh, Doctor. I think all these people were there: Doctor Kelly Dunlap, Doctor Anthony Bean, Doctor Joe Atanasio, Doctor Stephen Daniel. I think that was it. All of those people were not there. Yeah, that was too many people. There were only three people on that. I think Dr. Kelly wasn't there. Yeah, I think that's right. And then the last thing we did on Saturday was maybe my favorite panel of the uh, weekend, which was uh, Power Word Rock, the history of D&D and heavy metal. And that was hosted by Luke Crane and uh, Adam Coble again. And that was... There was three people. Oh, yes. Who was the other person? Uh, That was... Uh, that was uh, Radek Drozdalski, who oh. I'm almost certainly pronouncing his name wrong. Okay, yeah. Uh, but he's uh, a member of a band, I think, called Blind Guardian. I'm not, I don't know. Okay. Uh, but basically, they went back through, like, the history of D&D and role-playing games and talked about specifically the relationship with heavy metal, but also just the relationship with music in general. 
Like, they looked at what music David Arneson and uh, Gary Gygax probably actually listened to, and it was not metal. It was mostly, like, jazz and bluegrass and rockabilly. Right. And then kind of, like, the history of, like, how people started making the connection between heavy metal and D&D due to the satanic panic, and it wasn't actually really connected in any way until the satanic panic started saying that they were connected and then companies started kind of playing off that and and building up a connection that had never really been there before it was really fascinating and really interesting there was a lot of good music played too yeah they played all the music they talked about and it was actually like as someone who doesn't like metal i found it really fascinating and really interesting uh and both adam and luke are really funny guys in general Mm -hmm. so it was really entertaining I had a blast. That was maybe my favorite panel. Luke kept like lip syncing to all yeah. the songs as they were playing. And Luke was so into it. it was and I awesome. just kept being like, you know, I could just watch him. Like he doesn't really need to talk. Like if he just wants to lip sync up there and do a little lip sync concert, I'd be okay with it. He was really into it. It was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Adam had a great section where he talked about kind of like the faux nostalgia that synthwave has for cyberpunk and how when cyberpunk gaming first started it was very much entrenched in still like heavy metal and even pop music and it wasn't until later that like synthwave artists and synth musicians kind of tried to make this backwards connection with like cyberpunk and cyberpunk aesthetics it was really cool it was really interesting it was it was it really was a very interesting and it was a great way to end our night just because you left on, like, such a high note. Yeah. Because they were so good. But, yeah, that was our PAX experience. Yeah. Um, that was everything. We we went home the next day, and we've kind of just been... Um, recovering. Recovering yeah. since then. Um, last week, we put out our uh, Starcrossed episode, and the Kickstarter launched. And the Kickstarter funded in, like, two hours. If you haven't checked out the uh starcrossed kickstarter please go do that we're actually recording on the on tuesday like the day of the kickstarter launch um we had a ton of fun with this game and you should go back it uh it's the one of the best two-player games we've played the best romance game we've played you should check it out yeah it definitely was one of the best games we've ever played that had um it really built that suspense kind of naturally and it didn't feel too much um it really was and it was a ton of fun to, to play because i don't like loud noises so the the idea of the jenga blocks falling i like really didn't want that to happen and then at some point i was just like f it fall all of you it was great uh yeah seriously check that out that's uh being put out by bully pulpit games and alex roberts uh bully pulpit on twitter is bully pulpit underscore hq Their big header is actually an artwork from Ghost Court, which makes me really happy. Uh, And they are running the Kickstarter for Starcrossed. You need to go check it out. I think it's $10 for the digital copy, and it is well worth the price. You should should be backing this game. Otherwise, we want to give a big thank you to Zach B., our editor, without whom this show would not get made. And whose birthday it was last week. Happy birthday, Zach B. Happy birthday. Uh, We also want to thank... Uh, in Love with the Ghost for the use of their song Chilling at New Moose Place off of the album Healing. We also want to say if you like us, please make sure to rate and subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, please recommend us to your fellow RPG-loving friends. Word of mouth is how people find us. You can also follow us at HeartPointsPod on Twitter. If you could tweet about us, we would love to see it. Uh, tag us or hashtag HeartPointsPod and we'll mention you on the show. Uh, you should, so if you want to spread the word, the best way to do that is to not start the tweet with our username because if you do that it only goes to us but if you put like two words before it then other people will see it and then we'll mention you on the show like uh rpg casts at rpg underscore casts uh tweeted about our actual play of starcrossed along with uh sas geek podcast uh she's a super geek uh also alex roberts about us uh mimosa vendetta at mimosa vendetta which is an amazing name uh it's vj at nw fairy uh sean uh, at sean lacy who we who was space princess in ah, our princess world game he was see 
This is why it's important to bring an extrovert with you. I was not that person, but like meeting someone and talking to them. He was really, really nice. And it was a lot of fun playing games with him. I'm glad he, I'm glad he found us. Yeah. Shout out to Sean, uh, Justin, and Paul, who were our fellow princesses during Princess World. We rocked that Princess World. Uh, the designer of Princess World, again, is Kevin Petker. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at Kevin Petker. Check out his games. Uh, I really want to play The Ward now. Uh, that's his game of medical drama that's powered by the apocalypse. It sounds really cool. It's like House or Grey's Anatomy. And it was really hard for me to pick between House and Grey's Anatomy game or Princesses. But I picked Princesses. Yeah, we were all, we all had a lot of trouble, like, picking it, one. It was legitimately very hard. Yeah. Uh, you can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash heartpointspod. So, this is going to be really weird, but I think her name was Natalia. She was working at the... Um, games on Demand. She was working on Games on Demand as one of the volunteers to get you signed up. She got engaged at PAX. What, what? B- couples. What? Congratulations. Congratulations. I, I, mean, I already told her congratulations, like, in person, but, like, congratulations. I know she won't listen to this, but it, yay. I, I I do feel... Now I want to... I wonder if I can find her on Twitter. For next I, time. I for do next believe time. her name is Natalia. I think that she might be right. She runs... The uh, or at least she volunteers at the Games on Demand booth. Uh, she was doing it both at uh, at PAX East and at PAX Unplugged, and she recognized me and like said hello and was very nice because like I had stopped by so many times at PAX Unplugged trying to get in a in a spot and had talked to her so much trying to get a spot. She she was great. She was so nice. Um, and it's always nice when nice people have nice things happen to them. Yeah. So, yay for engagements at PAX. (laughs) Those are the important things. See, notice the things that we talked about. I talked about people. You talked about... The things I bought. The the not people. Mm -hmm. Those are our important... Those are where our priorities are. Uh, But thank you for joining us this week. This episode went way longer than I expected. I expected this to be like a 20, 30 minute episode. You did give me wine. And then I gave you wine. Uh, But I'm exhausted. And I want to go to bed, and I still have to finish the laundry, so... How does it feel? How does it feel? Thank you, everyone, for joining us. We're going to be back in Segaranza for uh, Concesao to see how she's doing next week. Oh, I can tell you how she's doing. She going to murder some people! And also We've have recorded been... next week's episodes already, and you know for a fact that that is not what happens. But she might! You never know. Keep listening. She might murder some more people. Billowy pants. Just going to say <laughs> keywords. Uh, so thank you for joining us. We hope to see you next week. And in the meantime, have a very nice day. But like a very, very nice one. Don't button line.